For a second, I thought Samuel was about to come up here and preach. I'm like, yes, 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 the next generation is rising up. Yes, a young Samuel is being risen in the, in the house of the Lord. That, that is so prophetic. But then he sat down. Then he sat down. So that's Samuel. Samuel, stand up and let everybody see how pretty you are. <laughs> And he loves that. Let me just tell you, he is not embarrassed by that at all, at all. <laughs> well, hey, uh, thank you for your patience because uh, right now we're really trying to teach that next generation. Literally, the kids were in here five years old and up, and, and they're, they're now in the children's ministry, but we, are, we brought them in here to worship, learn how to worship. They need, they're a little feral, like a feral cat. You want to try to catch that cat. It's good for catching mice and snakes and things like that frogs, whatever, but you, you know, those kids in here, I had to tell my, the first service, my daughter was over here, she's five, and she was pressing the alarm button on my truck, and I can only imagine what was going on outside, and so I'm like, hey, and she's looking at me doing it, you know, she knows, and I'm like, hey, you can't, you can't do that, because if the police show up, they're going to come looking for that little person who was pressing the, and so she's like, oh, you know, the Fear tactic is probably not the best, but hey, work with me. I'm just trying to figure this thing out. And so it really does take a tribe of people to raise a child. And so I need your help. You need our help. And we're, we're working together to raise these little children up. But ultimately, we're trying to, to, to remove the feralness out of these, these little children so that God can touch their lives. Is that a good picture? God, well, we want God to touch their lives. And so... Uh, Bear with us. We're doing that. We want them to, to know how to worship Jesus. But uh, also, as Allie was saying, they had, had my beautiful wife that was doing the announcements. Uh, first Wednesday is this, this Wednesday at 6 p.m. And we, this is where we just kind of show you what, what God has been doing, some celebrations that we have, some things that are coming up uh, at Thrive Community Church and in Henderson County uh, for the kingdom of God. And then also some of the things, some, a little bit of leadership perspective. So we're, we're working on the soul and training you, you know, on Sundays. We're teaching you, giving you a message for, for your life to be changed. But then we take it to another level on Wednesday, for first Wednesdays, and we, we give you a leadership approach or a culture pr approach, depending on what, what God wants to do that month to build you guys up. So there's, there's levels of learning and levels of development. So Anyway, I'm an equipper, and I love to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So uh, we're in our series called Comms On, Communication Lines On. And the idea is we're building off of is, let's say you were in a Black Hawk Down situation. Anybody ever seen the movie Black Hawk Down? Really? Three people. Four people now. Five, six? Okay. I feel like we're now in an auction. And so... <laughs> Usually when you, when you ask that question, I don't know if you went to school, but you like raise the hand immediately and you get an answer and we can move on. And so everybody's, anybody ever seen Black Hawk Down? Hey, look at there. Now I mean, you guys are learners. You're going to get everything that I teach today and you're going to grow in it really well. So in light of that, let's say you're in that situation in life and it feels like you're getting hit on every side. You don't know how you're going to get out of this situation. You sure do want some clear communication lines. You want to know if there's another coordinates that you need to be at and you want to catch every number, every, per, every part of that so that you are at the right spot and not somewhere you shouldn't be, Right. So in that idea, we need their com communication lines on for the Lord, with the Lord. And so when we're in a battle in life, let's just say some weird pandemic were to hit and, you know, 18 months or 19 months of chaos were to take place, I mean, theoretically, and then you needed to know beyond what everybody else is saying in the world, what is God saying? Yeah. And so that's this whole message series, what it's geared towards. And 
though we're bringing it to an end, it's not over. So I need you to know that because sometimes when we come to the end of a message series, you think, oh, that was a great, that was a great chapter, let's just move on. No, we're building on. We're always building on and adding to, and it's something that you really need to know. This actually played out of a previous series, and then a previous series, a previous series. We're building always. Now, you're here, and you're here for the first time. That's great. You're, you're, you're visiting, you're checking out, you're joining, you're becoming a member. Whatever it is, don't feel like, oh, well, I, I've missed out. I don't know. No, we have archived videos of what we've been teaching on Sundays that you can go and watch on YouTube, Thrive CC Athens, Facebook Live, Replay. So all that is still out there, but even still... I know how hard it is to catch everything at once, so you're always going to be getting a new approach to everything that we, we we're doing, we're teaching what God is teaching here at Thrive Community Church so that we can grow you in every aspect of your life. So if you're here today for the first time, welcome, glad you're here. Fill out a connect card, if you will, it's in the seat back in front of you, we'd love to connect with you. And this awesome guy over here, Pastor Cass, will probably reach out to you and say, hey, what's up, how can I pray for you? He loves to do it, and you want him praying for you, by the way. And so we're in our series, they're finishing it, and it's, this, message, this message specifically is called Undercover. And I'm kind of doing a play on words because we're not going out undercover, but we're coming in undercover so that we can go out covered. And I want you to know what that means because this is how we have clear lines. We have filters. Remember, I've talked to you about, we're going to talk about some filters. Today's the day where we talk about filters. The first week, we talked about four, the four soils. We used some of the ways, some of the issues with hearing God that we have. And one was a polluted heart, then a distracted heart, then an immature heart. And we finally got to that fourth soil that Jesus uses in a parable. And it is the hundredfold producing heart. And that is the prepared heart. That's where we all want to be. Every one of us want to be, have a prepared heart to hear the voice of the Lord so that everything that we do that for the kingdom of God produces a hundredfold, not only for our families, for our church, for our businesses, for et cetera, every genre of life. Then we talked about whispers, how God speaks, how and why God still speaks today. That was in week two, two weeks ago. And we talked about he whis- how he whispers. One of, the, one of the most common ways is he whispers. Uh, he whispers in many, many, many me- methods and forms, but... He whispers, and that's all throughout Scripture, and I can, we, we showed you that. Last week, week three of the series, I gave you some practical tips on how to cultivate the voice of God in your life, whether you've heard it and you're far away, you've never heard it, how to lean in, and they're very practical, and it started with just setting an appointment with him and you making the appointment because he's showing up, but you've got to make and keep that appointment so that it doesn't cost you in the long run, Right? Okay, so then this, this week, I'm giving you the filters on, okay, I've done all that, Pastor Nathan, and, I, and I'm working through all those things, but now, whenever I feel like I have that still, small voice, that whisper, that impression, how do I know yet that this is the voice of God? And so that's where we're going to land this plane today, and I'm using our th- theme verse still, John 10, 3 and 5, it says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep Listen to his voice. Now, Jesus is the gatekeeper, and we are his sheep. God is, or Jesus is using, who is God, is using a, a metaphor, an analogy, a picture, which he often uses. It's called a parable. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. And here's what happens. God speaks, 
and you feel like you've really heard the voice of God, but then a stranger voice, another voice, uh, a similar a mimicking voice speaks and adds details to what God has spoken. And so because we don't have these filters, we take and run with the fullness of what we heard, and we don't realize that Satan has added his little detail, his twist, and we haven't discerned what specifically is what God has said. And so the purpose of this message is to encourage you and to direct you at the same time, because we can all miss God's voice in its fullness. I'm no, I'm no different from you. Uh, I don't have a, a closer place with the Lord because I'm a pastor. Um, anything like that, you guys are in a position to be able to hear the voice of the Lord equal to and equivalent to how I hear the voice of the Lord. So it's, 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 there's no gap between me and you. That's why we need filters because we all have a proneness to be able to miss everything that God is saying about a situation. And so I'm gonna break that down a little bit. But, and so how many times, give me this, how many times have you heard someone say, well, God told me to do this, and yet you had this check in your spirit because you know a verse in the Bible that is actually contradicts that. Anybody ever? Anybody? Okay, good, good deal. So we're in a good place because now we're, we know we need filters right now. But a filter, when I, when I talk about filters, I'm, I had a picture of this metal can, and I had a handle on it. Whenever I was young, my, my grandfather cooked a lot of fish, and so he would use this, and it sifted cornmeal and flour. Anybody, anybody ever seen one of those? A sifter? Anybody still have one? Anybody have one say, I'm never going to get rid of it, even though I don't use it? <laughs> Just wondering where that generation is. Good deal. First John, first John, first John 4, 1 says this, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, every thought, every feeling, every impression. Don't believe every one of them that comes across your heart or your mind, but test the spirits. Notice it's plural. Test the spirits, because there's a lot of spirits out there, but there's only one spirit that you want to lean into and get guidance from. And so whether they are from God, okay? And so I want to mention to you, and I mentioned this, I think, in week one, where I had a friend who came to me, and this is no one in this room, 10 years ago-ish or nine, and he said, Nathan, I, I've been, I, I need you to let you know, we were accountability partners for the longest of time, and so he said, I found, uh, met this girl, and we, we've been, you know, we've been doing some devotionals together, and I, man, I really feel like she's, she, she's a soulmate, and I feel like I need to divorce my wife and marry her. I said, I said, bro, that is not from God. I said, probably what is true is that you're, you do need to do devotionals with your soulmate, who is your, who is your wife. You can see how God spoke some things, but then Satan added his little twist to try to manipulate and cause division and divorce in that situation. And so, but Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that appears to be right. It looks right. I, I feel like this is the way. But in the end, it leads to death. And there are many kind and loving people that are even in your life, and they really have your best intentions, they think, and they say things like, well, well God wants you to be happy. And, and your pastor's here to say, there is no verse in the Bible that says God wants you to be happy. <laughs> in fact, God wants you to be holy, and when you're holy, his way, you become happy. But when you try to choose happiness in a pursuit of happiness, it only ends up in your own misery. The wrong kind of happiness, quote, according to culture, will end up with a lot of ministry, a misery, misery connected to it, okay? 
So God wants you to be holy. But it's not, it's not a legalistic holy. Let me just say that. Because so much religion has made this holy term. What it means is set apart for him. Simply my heart is, is, is moldable in his hands and my heart is set apart for God and God alone. Is that good? Okay, we'll make sure we're on the right page. Uh, number one, does it line up with the Bible? Does it line up with the Bible? And listen, I'm not, again, I'm not picking on anyone, but culture, there's, there's some really um, divisive things in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the church, in the world, etc. And uh, I'm not picking on anyone. They're challenging topics when we cover them here. But Matthew 19, 3 and 6, it says, Some Pharisees came to him, Jesus, to test him. They asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason, I just wanted to circ- uh, underline those on, on purpose so that you can see, for any and every reason. And Jesus says this, haven't you read? Uh, is it, it is written. He always brings it back to a foundation of what God has said first, and then he builds off that foundation. He says, in the beginning, the creator made them male and female, and then he continues on. He goes back, and anytime there's a question, with God, did God really say, I feel like God said, and he says the term like this, it is Written, which is the wisest response that you can have to anybody who comes to you with a question or saying that God said this and they're going to do this, or you feel like there's an impression or a whisper, or you're getting a word inside that says you need to go th- do this, but then your spirit says, wait a minute, it is written this. And so say, uh, Satan would actually even do this uh, to God from time to time. And, but that's, that's my response is, is it written? Because people oftentimes want to, if you come to a leader or someone, if you're someone that they know that may know the word of God well or they respect you as knowing the word of God, they'll come to you looking for advice. And the, the best thing you can do is to align with godly counsel in saying, it is written. It is written that I'm going to follow God and not my feelings. And so, by the way, on the topic of divorce, God does not hate divorced people. He hates divorce because it hurts his children. It hurts people. And when people choose to go through with divorce, it creates, it rips the soul and it creates unforeseen problems that take years to find healing through. But God never stops pursuing the parties involved who go through a situation like that. Let me say that. And there are some very, very, very passionate people for the Lord and that people are, that God are using who have unfortunately gone through such a scenario as that. But God can redeem anything. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. I'm on the I'm in good company here. Luke 21, 33 says this, and though all heaven and earth shall pass away, yet my words will remain forever true. And so many people will take a verse from the scriptures and they'll twist it and use it out of its context and they'll try to use it to support a decision or a desire that they have in their hearts which is why we need to be slow to making our decisions based on the little bit of Bible knowledge we have or the understandings, the basic understandings that we have of Scripture. We need to slow it down a little bit instead of rushing to make a decision based off a little verse that we caught. We have to grasp the, the understanding of what is called the full counsel of God. 
What that means is the full counsel is from Genesis to Revelations on a principle of life or in a need or a circumstance or whatever area, genre, area of life, God has said something from Genesis to Revelations. And so we search out through every book within to see what is the common thread that God says about all of these situations or this circumstance that we're going through so I can get the full counsel of God on these issues. It just takes a little time to get there. And that's okay because in the waiting process, in the tarrying, that's when God does a work right here where it matters the most. And so we need to get this full counsel of God understood. And so Satan did this very thing of twisting and manipulating. And in fact, you saw the Pharisees do it as well in Matthew 4 and Luke 3. For whenever uh, Satan had drawn, uh, had had begun to try to manipulate Jesus, the Holy Spirit drew Jesus out into the wilderness. In fact, that's where Satan met Jesus. And so Satan was trying to give Jesus, who is the word, by the way, trying to give Jesus some scriptures to have him jump off a cliff. To have him to eat this bread, having to worship, worship him. And, And so always manipulating a verse for his own good. And Jesus would always respond with, it is written, and then give some verses, it is written, and then give some verses, it is written, and give some verses. So he would always respond with a foundation of what God actually says in every part of his word about this particular scenario. And so we need to know what actually is written. So number two is this, will it make me more like Christ? Will it make me more like Christ? Well, the thing that I'm feeling, if I do follow through with it, will it make me look more like Jesus? And by the way, that is the goal after salvation that we continually or we grow in this process of becoming and conforming and to looking like Jesus. But you have to first meet Jesus and you have to fall in love with Jesus in order to get the power to become like Jesus. And in scripture, we call this thing uh, called uh, regeneration. You'll see it in Colossians. It, it's, regener- it's this process that begins at salvation. Salvation is not the finish line. It's actually the starting line. You'll get that later. But it starts this process of regeneration where God uses circumstances, situations, and according, according to the hardness of our hearts and, the, and how we begin to soften in his presence according to his spirit as he is leading us unto him. And that wave is, is drawing us into the deep. The wave of God is moving us towards him And our own agreement or disagreement, however we choose, is the timing and how God molds us into his likeness. And this is called a process of regeneration. He's regenerating the old self to become new, to look like himself. And this is what we all want. This is our desires. And this is the process that begins. And so we get to this place where we say, come on, I'm not where I used to. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. And, and we need to have these dashboards in our lives because we will forget a dashboard. When I say that term, it means like in your car, there's this little thing that has a little battery and it, has, it wants to stay around 12, too low, ladies, it's a six, you're, you're look, it's not looking good. Winter's coming, you know, you need it higher, you need it around 12, 13, okay? Or you have the speedometer, that's the thing that goes way up and around and it starts to pass 70 and 80 and it's like, hey, that's when you start to let go of the accelerator a little bit. My, my wife is still learning that. <laughs> it doesn't matter for raccoons in the way, a possum, we're just, we're just rolling on through that thing. 
So I'm going to have to get those Turismo, what they call Turismo in foreign countries, a little front-end bumper guard on, on our cars and our vans so that she can just keep on. She's on a mission. It doesn't matter if I'm 15 minutes late. I can make it up on the highway. And she does it. So that dashboard, that dashboard of our lives is, hey, you know what? I'm not there. Here's what Scripture says I should be. Here's where people around me are growing. And we all grow at different paces. And we can't compare ourselves one to another. But God, God is taking us on a path. And when we say, well, I'm not there, but we need to have that dashboard to remind us that we're not here either. And if we ever forget that, we will get discouraged, we will get depressed, we will get anxious, we will get worried, we will just want to give up and quit. But praise God, even if it is one or two inches closer to Jesus, it is closer to Jesus. Which is why we have uh, how we minister through our tribes. Our, our, these, are called, these are small groups. We're in week, going into week three. You haven't missed anything but an introduction and somebody acting like they, they actually studied the Bible and they did it on the way to tribe. And so now they're starting to get into it a little bit and get real and get honest. And this is where the mask comes off. This is where you start to get a little comfortable with people and you realize, oh, they're as messed up as I am. This is good news. They're as far back here. Just, they're just two inches away from what they used to be, closer to Jesus. And so I, now I can, I can connect. I can relate with some people. I can get honest and, and open and transparent, as we say around here. And that's where we do it. That's how we minister. That's how we pastor. That's how you find counseling is in a circle of safe people who are on a journey that you desire to be on if you actually want to grow towards Christ. We need other people around us to hammer these things out so that we can grow in him and with him. So I was reminded about this joke that I heard, and, and, and this, is, this, is, this is for somebody in here. And it, the guy, that, there, there was a hurricane that came through, Hurricane Ida, Hurricane Katrina, and, and unfortunately the waters, and, and if, the, you can, if you were there, I'm, I'm so sorry, but you'll probably be able to picture this really well, and God will speak to you through this. The waters were rising so high, and, and this man had to go up to the top, to the mountain, I mean, to the, to the rooftop, and he's up there, and he's waiting, and he's saying, God, I thank God, I, I, he's praying to God, and he's asking God for a miracle, and he's declaring, God, you're gonna, your testimonies are true, you, you led the people out of Egypt, and, and your people across the Red, Red Sea, and, and then even into the promise, and he's just declaring, and he's proclaiming, and he's, God, you're going to do a miracle, and then here comes a, a pool raft floating by. He goes, oh, God, I don't know where that thing's going, but, Lord, I'm just glad I'm not on that one, and then a guy comes back in a motorboat, and he's like, hey, do you need some help? I'm, 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 I can help you. I can take you to shore. No, 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 no. I'm praying to God, and he's going to bring a miracle, and he's going to do a good work, and he's going to show himself awesome and amazing. Okay. And then it comes a, a helicopter comes along, and, and the guy stops and very, very carefully throws a rope down and says, hey, grab a hold of it. I'll pull you out to safety. It's going to be okay. No, 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 no. God's going to do a miracle. I'm up here in prayer, and, and I just know that God is going to do the miraculous. And the, the waters rise, and the man dies, and, and he drowns, and he, he gets to heaven, and he's actually able to talk to God, and there's very little, you know, don't, don't test my theology and all this, but it's a joke. And so he's actually... <laughs> He's actually talking to God, and he's saying, God, why did you let me die? I loved you, and I prayed to you, and I proclaimed your goodness, and I, and I even told people about you. And he says, hey, I, fly, I brought a, a, a raft, a, a pool raft by you. I brought a motorboat by you. I even brought a helicopter by you. What else do you want? You're going through it. Hey, we got some Thrive Traps, some small groups of people for you. 
And they're gathering together and praying and holding each other accountable and getting real and vulnerable. And they're answering the questions that you have in your soul to feel like you need, like you need to grow and be met. And also, next steps. Next steps is October 10th, Sunday night, 6 p.m., right here, pre-register. It's how you on-ramp into Thrive Community Church and figure out what's going on here. How do I plug in to start serving others so that God can serve me on a greater capacity and I can serve him on a greater capacity? Hey, your pool raft. Hey, your lifeboat. Hey, there's a helicopter. I don't know why I never really got plugged into that church. It never just worked out for me. Hey. What else do you want? I'm talking to somebody right there. Our, our entire discipleship engine is geared towards bringing out an outcome of you looking more like Christ, but you have to take the initiative to get plugged in so that Christ can grow you in the things that he has already planned out in his word for you. And all we're doing is coming under him and saying, hey, this works. Do what you want to do with it, Jesus, and bring some people to do it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Philippians 2.5 says this, in your, love, in your lives, you must think and act and act like Christ Jesus. So you have an intuition. You feel like you should say something to someone. You feel like I need to send an email to say this, but after you do, will you look more like Jesus? And is his heart being ministered to the individual or individuals that this is being sent to, delivered to, spoken to. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. This means I'm not going to let thoughts run rampant in my mind that are going to disturb my heart because it might be from one of those other spirits that need to be tested so they can be brought under the word of God in obedience to Christ so that I can let things grow inside of my head, my heart to conform me to the image of Christ, regeneration, so that I can take it captive. I can take what God has said and I can begin to discern this little bit that Satan added to that. I can subtract what Satan said. I can place that back in hell where it goes and I can just grab a hold of what God is saying to me for my family, for my situation, for my life and I can begin to move forward with his wholeness. This is not complacency. This is not just being just being a, a, a vessel of emptiness with no safeguards for what I am believing, I'm hearing, and I'm saying. This is, I'm going to be vigilant, vigilant rather, not a villager, a vigilant, you're going to be vigilant about what is going on in this space right here because I got to take care of this space because this space takes care of every space around me. And if I do, if I do all of that, if I do send that email, if I do say that word, if I do come across to somebody, will it be, like James 3 says this, that the wisdom that comes from heaven is first, will it be pure? Is my heart pure in what I'm about to say? Is, is it peace-loving? Is whenever it lands, no matter how they respond to it, eventually will they land on peace-loving knowing that I love them and I was really tender in the delivery of this message? Is it considerate? of their situation, their circumstances, what they're currently going through? Do I need to ask some more probing questions so that I don't maybe misinterpret their lives? 
And maybe it's me, my, my, my guesswork, my judgment that's actually coming out rather than what God is wanting to say about them. Is it considerate? Is it submissive? Is it, is it formed in such a way where God is saying, listen, here's a scenario. You've worked that thing out. You've meted it out before you delivered it to where it's, I don't know if this is God. I feel like, but you will know because it's from him, it's from him and for you. So here, let me submit this to you. I have no control over it. I don't have to manipulate it. That's freedom. And then God can speak to you and through you and want to. Is it full of mercy? And when it's delivered, does it have just, is it impregnated with mercy for the other person and their situation? Is it? And is it going to produce good fruit? Is this going to produce that hundredfold, that, that, that fourth soil? Man, when this thing unravels in their heart and God really does a work, it's all these other things. And then the good fruit for the kingdom of God begins to bear out of it. And then is it impartial? Does it not have any of my own wounds and my old hurts and my perspectives and my, my decisions on how I'm going to do life? Is it without partiality? And, then, and, and am I doing it sincerely? Because I really care about the individual. Like I really care about the well-being of the individual. Is it sincere? So God gives us some filters through James, and when someone calls me and they ask, and this happens a lot, and I'm so thankful, it shows wisdom in their part when they do this, and they call and say, hey, how do I handle the situation? Uh, what do I do here? What do you say about this? And I just give them these filters right here. Hey, does it look like this? And then I ask them probing questions that all line them back up with the word of God so that they can hear from God, and the word and the spirit do the rest of the work. That's all I can do. The whole counsel of God, just bringing them to an encounter with a holy God for their situation so that they'll lean, lean, lean on him and not me. It is written. Amen to that. Peacemakers who sow in peace, this is the rest of the verse, reap a harvest of righteousness. Boy, I want to reap a harvest of righteousness wherever I go and in every situation I possibly can. So I want to sow in peace being a peacemaker. I want to be the what I delivered. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the situation. When I deliver it is my intention that in this person's life, it is going to bring more peace, more, more righteousness, more wholeness into their walk with God. And am I doing it in such a way where they know no matter what, I'm loving them along the way and this thing out with them? Boy, I'm going to reap some righteousness. Number three, does godly counsel, and I put it in red, agree? Does godly counsel agree? You always look for, picture this, a circle of agreement. You can probably draw that on your notes if you had a circle and then agreement in the middle of it. Look for a circle of agreement. And when we were preparing to build this building in 2018 to 19, I felt impressed upon me that it was time. Now, now this is two years ago-ish, and that was only two years after we planted the, the church. Like we, we started, we called ourselves a church with all 14 people. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you, I'm going to get to that. So I felt like it was time for us to build a structure that we could call home so that we can, so God can build us off into the future of what he has to do. So we actually set, probably this place was unexcavated somewhere about in the kids area where your kids are, are being ministered to right now. And I brought out a folding table and some chairs and I, I invited my board out there and I said, hey, here's what I feel like 
God is saying, and I laid out some plans, and I submitted it to them, and so they began to rework it and look at it. I wanted them to be able to envision what I'm seeing. I wanted them to be able to feel what I'm feeling, breathe the air that I was breathing, and even smell the, do- the dirt, the soil that was right here in this place, so that they could see, begin to grab a hold of it, casting vision for them. And then they began to rework the building and adding their, their, their wisdom into it. And it began to mold into something completely different. And they said, hey, go after a budget. So I went after a budget, got all the plans, got all the, all the, the, the contracts in. And I started, or started working on the contracts. I got all the material lists and said, here's the budget. Went after a loan, went after uh, the designs and all the, all the engineering that takes place. A lot of work, let me tell you. But when you have a circle of counsel in agreement with you, the confidence that leads you through the difficult trials is one of the most important things that you can have. And when you have that confidence because you went with godly counsel, you know that no matter what hell breaks loose, God is going to redeem the situation. And so in the midst of that, we, we get our code approvals after a lot of labor. Seven, eight months later, uh, a loan that we had been working on came in all on the same day. And by the way, this is for somebody. It was on my Sabbath. A Sabbath is a day that you do nothing. You rest. You rest from being you on every other day of the week, and you learn to just spend time with the Lord. Isn't it good? Amen. Amen. I love it. Because when I rest from my works, God begins to do his work. And so on the same morning, on the same drive, as Allie and I were headed over to Costco to do a little bit of fun stuff, shopping, we, I, got a, I get a call from the code department saying, hey, everything's been approved. You can pick up your plans. You're good to go. Right after that, I get an email from the, from the bank. Hey, loan approved. In fact, we reduced your APR to something less than we had talked about. Only God. O- only God. And then the next moment I'm over there, eyes are just full of water, tearing up, and I'm emotional, and, and I'm telling Allie, look what just happened. And then God spoke to me right there. He said, I'm redeeming the day. Well, let me tell you what that meant. This same day, 14 years before, before I've been saved, it was a day that my ex-wife divorced me. And to some of you, that's going to mess with your religion. But let me tell you, when I say God can redeem anything, God can redeem anything. And then he puts his stamp on it. And then he gives you boldness and courage and confidence to navigate through everything. And by the way, this little thing called COVID-19 hit. But we were already, we'd already purchased our materials because of the timing, because of the council, purchased our materials. We've had every contract in place. We're building, we're navigating through, and we're actually in a place where it's going to demand a lot more of my attention. And then the pandemic hits and nobody's going to church anyway. Well, sad thing, but hallelujah. What worked, what unfortunately was terrible for many, it worked out really well for us. And so we got, we're able to, everything that you see, we were able to complete, finish, and put detail to it. And by the time it was getting hot, we were doing outside parking lot services. And about right after July 4th, that was our last outdoor, we're moving in this baby. And, the, and we got favor to move in on the next weekend so we can have air conditioning. And we've been rocking and rolling ever since. 
Can you see the importance of going to godly counsel and getting the whole counsel of God before you start to move forward on anything so that you can have the confidence of being under that godly counsel? And having confidence and unity is very important when tough times hit. Proverbs 12, 15 says this, the way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Proverbs 19, 20 and 21 says, listen to advice and accept discipline, and accept discipline. This means, which you probably may not like everything that someone says to you. Just throwing it out there. But if you receive it humbly, you will come out all the more wiser than that, that at the end, you will be counted among the wise. You take the advice and the discipline, if it should require discipline with it as well, and God sees a humble heart that's moldable and that he can do something with, and he knows that when you hear the word of God and it is being delivered by godly counsel and you're receiving it, he's saying, that's somebody I can do some work in and through and with, and then he begins to move you forward. You are all the more wiser, and God sees that, and he pours grace and favor on top of it. The things that you've been trying to work and do on your own and your own labor and your own hands, trying to reason it your own way, when you let go of all of that, all of a sudden God says, that's a heart I can do something with. Well, that's, that's really good. That was worth you coming and paying what you paid to get in here, which is probably nothing. Because <laughs> many are the plans in a man's heart, in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. When he sees that heart, he wants to pour his favor on a heart that is moldable so that he can provide his purpose in that life and the life of the others around this individual. Man, that's good. You're saying, Pastor Nathan, I got to give up the work. Man, you just give up the work and let God do it, but you do the work that he's given you to do. Amen. Y'all are getting some good preaching today, man. I'm like, <laughs> this is good. Proverbs 24, 6 says this, surely you need guidance to wage war, and victory is won through many advisors. And many people, many people, key in right here, don't tune out right here. Many people will go around, and they'll ask a godly advisor, godly counsel, and then they'll ask another, and then they'll ask another, and what they're doing is looking for an agreement rather than a circle of agreement. And it's like this story where, hey, we, go, we get our donuts from Daylight Donuts. Y'all like those? They're good? They must be good because they're always gone when y'all leave. So I'm, they're here when you, before you get here. They're gone after you get, so I'm assuming either you're starving, you're coming off a fast, or you really like, so there's a Daylight Donuts in town, in the center of town. And so there's this guy, and he's, he's struggling with his weight, and he's like, Lord, just help me. I need to get this under wraps, and these Daylight Donuts are killing me every time I drive by them. I can't help. It's like... Pulling me in. And so he says, the morning he wakes up, he does his devotional, he does his worship, like Pastor Nathan says. He even journals about it. And then he's, he's getting out and he goes and he's like, Lord, if this is your will, if it's your will for, it, the, for, for me to go in and grab a donut this morning on the way to work, the light, the open sign will be on. And if it's not, Lord, I know it's not your will for me to eat a daylight donuts this morning. And so he goes and he turns and he, he makes his normal turn on the way to work and he drives by it and the light is not on. And so he makes a turn, and he makes another block, and then he comes back around. <laughs> the light is on, and he says, hallelujah, it's God's will that I go in and eat a daylight donut. 
And this is what so many people do. They go finding somebody that's going to agree with the desires that's in their heart rather than waiting the fullness. And sometimes things work out for a little while. But then you start to get to the point, why is this not working out? Why is this not good? Why is this not what it should have been? Well, you didn't wait on the full counsel of God and God's timing through that because God is ready to do some work in the process of growing you and listening to godly counsel and waiting for the outcome to be laid out. Oof. Number four, do I have peace? Do you know what the difference between us, Christianity, and any other religion that is actually out there? We're not a religion. We're a relationship, by the way. Is we have God with us. He's in us. He dwells within us. And he wants to do his work through us. There is no other entity, people, tribe that can actually say that very thing. We don't worship an external God. We have him living within us. And we, yet we all have that inner conflict where we want to go a way, and then all of a sudden there's this mm, nudging to go this way. This all looks really good, and it's really pretty, and that's probably the perfect thing. If I were to write it down on my own, in my own understanding, it would look like this, but something is drawing me over this way. And so there's this inner conflict of which way do I actually go? What should I do? And we, we build this pros and cons list, which is not all bad and when, unless we... Unless we don't submit that to the Lord. And so here we are looking at these. And I'm telling you, there is nothing that this world can give that will give the peace that the path of God can give. Only the path of God can give. There's no pill even. There's no drug. And ladies, there's no shopping spree. I'm not coming to that church next week. I follow the peace. 1 Corinthians 14.33 says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. And sometimes there are things we're looking at just look so good, and I'm conflicted. Well, God's not in that. But he's in you following the peace that he has provided for his path. And so don't rush your decisions just because you grab something, you hear something. Go filter it through these filters. Sift that sifting can. Come on. I want everybody to go buy one of those sifting cans and put it on top of your TV. And let me think about it. Should I be watching that on on TV? Let me sift that out. Protect some of y'all. But he is a big enough God that he can make the things that seem crazy and out of this world, but yet I have peace in this path. He can make a way where there was no way. When it feels like every door is closed and there is no way to get approval and loans are just not coming in but God. When it feels like my marriage is busted and nothing's ever going to work, and if I just do this, this is prettier, and so is she. But God. But God. Philippians 4, 6, 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord. Present your requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends all, this word means human reasoning. Well, I think. No one cares. God doesn't care what you think. All logic. Well, I'm so smart, and I'm, I, I, I know what I should be doing. Great. God laughs at that, and then he gives you his own path. He says, and in all the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, all human reasoning, will, this word is a military term. It's a garrison of guard. It is angel armies. That have, as you see in the, the Old Testament, it is a garrison that is protecting your heart, and your mind 
in Christ Jesus. You let the peace of God be the what guides your feet, and all of a sudden you have this garrison of God that's led by God that is protecting your heart and your mind when it's all falling apart. No, no, but God said this. It's not looking really well right now, but that's okay because I'm not looking at the external situation. I'm looking at the internal spiritual situation. God is doing something completely different in spite of what is happening in this world. Let me give you some practicals. I'm going to leave you with these three things, how-tos, comes-ons, how-tos. How do I do it? How do I do it, Pastor? Turn into God's voice. Turn, turn on God. Turn off everything that opposes God and just begin to walk towards the things through the filters that you believe God is actually leading, prompting, and telling you to do. Is that good? Super practical. You're ready to hear from God. You probably already are. Just pray with me right here. Father, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you speak to every individual. Just ask him, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Spirit of God, speak to us in this place. Holy Spirit, let this be so practical, so simple, so cookies on the bottom shelf that every individual in this place can take it and run with it this week. Father, I pray that you begin to bring highlights to the things that you're speaking to every one of your children in this house. Father, I pray for a confidence, a boldness, a confidence to, to go with the word that they're testing and they're putting it under these filters to see how you are actually speaking to them. Father, let there be a tuning in this week for marriages, for finances, for business decisions going forward, for the church, for the kingdom of God. Father, for every scenario of life, for the people that are in front of them at the cash register, at the stores, Father, I pray that you give them a word and just speak sincerity, mercy, peace-loving. Father, just deliver your message to your people. And let us be vessels of your message to the world around us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Hey, guys, let's stand.